What did he say? There's a guy in our quartet Talks like no one I've heard yet He mumbles, mumbles all the time He's got no reason and he's got no What did he say? You know when I got that done. What did he say? You like a gold thing. What did he say? He said, bring something round, we'll have a ball today. You are listening to the next voice you hear with Juan Yoon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of The Next Voice You Hear. I'm one of your co-hosts, Juan Yoon. And I'm Nevin Ryan. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. And today we're going to talk about a friend to humans, and they are mushrooms. Nevin, do you want to talk about where this came from? Because it came from you and, and your discovery. Yeah, absolutely. I think today we'll we'll do our two segments. We usually have three, but... Since this is just such a fascinating topic, we're going to spend about 10 minutes on the cool hunting and about five minutes on a what if, uh, which I'm sure all of you guys will find very helpful. But this topic is, yes, about mushrooms or I guess fungi to be more scientific. And it really all spurred from this documentary that uh, I watched uh, a couple of weeks back now. It's called Fantastic Fungi. And it really, I shared it with you, Juan, and I'm sure you've You've watched it multiple times, but it really shifted, or I guess it more so expanded my understanding of what mushrooms are and what amazing supernatural powers they have. And I think for our listener, what we'll do is, um, because this was just so fascinating, we'll break down like maybe three or four takeaways of what we got from this, uh, from this documentary without giving away the entire documentary as my dad sometimes <laughs> does with every movie he watches. And uh, we'll, we'll just give you a little bit of Cole's notes, I guess, uh, and encourage you to, to spend the $4.99 on YouTube to watch this documentary because it's really <laughs> not available. It was available on Netflix, but it's not really, it's not available on Netflix anymore, uh, nor, Prime Video or Hulu or whatever it is. Well, to. it is it is entirely worth it. If if I may kind of leap in, it was a life changing, brain changing, <laughs> paradigm shifting film to watch because I'm I'm somebody who thinks of himself as reasonably well informed about the world, intellectually curious. I, I loved science as a kid, almost became one, etc. And when I watched this film. I was gobsmacked at how little I knew and how the magnitude and the importance of what's been right under our noses. It was, it was mind blowing. I I was just, why have I not, everybody needs to see this. And it's rare that I see something where I go like, holy crap, it turned my worldview upside down. Yeah. Well, I think it's because we, a lot of people hate mushrooms. (laughs) Like they don't really taste that great. Um, they don't I know mushrooms, people, right? Like, yeah, they only have them with their steak, and that's basically it. Well, but I think, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Let's 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 pull back and set the table here, right? So so that that we we zoom out and see just how big this topic is beyond just you know what people like to put on their pizza, right? Of course, it's so much bigger than that. There are three kingdoms of living things on this planet. This film reminded me. There's the animal kingdom. 
there is the plant kingdom and the third kingdom is the kingdom of fungi or fungi depending on how you like to call it uh, and it is massive there are tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of species no there's one there's 1.5 million species of fungi. Oh, I stand corrected. 1.5 million species. Yeah. Species they are some of, of the yeah. oldest living things on this planet, as, and they're constantly evolving as well. And mm -hmm. these three kingdoms are deeply interconnected. And I think we've been focusing as human beings on two of the three and completely forgetting the third. Yeah, like I think the one, the cool part that they really just sh shone a light on was the fact that it, it, it is that connective tissue of the ecosystem, um, yes. which is like basically the, the digestive tract of the world is one thing that they, they use. It's like without it, we can't like this whole world wouldn't really exist or everything would be overgrown and yes. there would be no, there would be, yeah, no death or rebirth, I should say. So every, everything that dies, all of that organic matter from any dead plant or animal or anything else mm -hmm. is processed and put back into the system primarily by fungi. And yeah, I, I, Yes. And yeah. I didn't quite realize that, that, you know, there are, they are at least one third in a sense mm -hmm. of the system. And without them, there is no ecosystem. There's no life. Everything will just come to a screeching halt. Number two, second factoid that blew my freaking mind was that, and I had to watch this three times, this, this section, when they said, at any given point on the planet, anywhere on the planet, you're likely to be standing on top of up to 300 miles of mycelial root system, meaning the root system of fungi that live underneath us, underneath our feet, that mm -hmm. form a global network that's essentially like an internet around for plants planet. i, I yeah. just I literally had to stop rewatch it three times ago did i actually hear that correctly <laughs> i had to yeah. look it up to go were they lying are, are you kidding me they have their own facebook and in twitter <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was like yeah. you know it's it's like having lived in a house as an analogy having lived in a house for decades and then you realize one day that you never even knew that there were like basement levels going down 10 stories yeah, and exactly. a whole world underneath your house that it's part of your house and you were clueless. That's yeah. what I felt like I was like, wow, I just had no idea what kind of planet we live on. None. Well, I, th I think the, the cool part was just, yeah, it's a, it's a network that's very similar in terms of its structure to the way our brains work. Um, but it's just that, that communication line that, that trees and forests use, they use this mycelium to connect with their seedlings like trees like you think uh, they just toss their seeds and you say yeah good luck i hope you become a big tree one day but no they actually are able to send nutrients they're able to communicate with their offspring that, that's um, crazy it's it's sort of yeah. like uh, an internet and wireless or wire you know communication system yeah that uh, a tree and it's like, I had to think that through to go, okay, so I'm a big mama oak tree. I've spread my acorns far and wide. And some of them are pretty distant from me because they've just been carried somewhere else. But yeah. through this my, mycelial internet, I can communicate with my offspring and even help divert resources to them. Like that was another thing. I was like, 
this is better than science fiction. Like I can't, I couldn't even imagine something like that, that cool. Yeah. There's no Wi-Fi password needed. Nothing. <laughs> it's, it's global. They're actually ahead of us because organic we, free global Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah, Cause organic. They're, <laughs> they're way cooler than we are. Well, yeah, they're the head of the game for sure. In terms of like where we're at, we're at, you know, and then I realized that, you know, that, that fictional world that, that James Cameron created on that planet, Navi, for, for uh, Avatar, which has like a place, basically a global network that yeah, you can tap yeah. into when you sit underneath that big white tree. That actually that's a real thing. I was like, <laughs> that's real. That's not fiction. Holy People are going <laughs> to... Are gonna listen to this and start trying to plug their laptops into the ground. I know they're gonna like be that. thinking like, "What are uh, these two guys smoking?" Like, uh, or eating. Or eating. <laughs> so speaking of which, all right. So of the millions of species of mushrooms, you know, there I guess there are two that leap out in terms of their current kind of relevance and importance to us. And one is I guess the turkey tail mushroom, which has mm-hmm. a compound that can cure potentially cure cancer and the the hero of this documentary paul stem it's a actually his his he cured his mom of cancer i'm just a huge spoiler but it's not a spoiler because everybody <laughs> who knows mushrooms actually knows about this it's a very famous story but the other of course is magic mushrooms and their um, proven ability as of late to help people recover from trauma and i know mm-hmm. this from people who did it uh after 9-11 yeah, and I heard, you know, heard tell, as it were, that they had an amazingly fast and effective recovery from their depression and trauma because of what is the compound called? You know, psilocybin um, or psilocybin, yeah. which is which is what magic mushrooms, the magic part of magic mushrooms. Yeah, like I feel like some people, definitely not the majority, but a lot of people kind of knew or just had some um, idea that magic mushrooms have been used in treatments like before the war on drugs they were and they were they were seeing a huge amount of success when it comes to like ptsd but like depression addiction um Mm. lsd with addiction and magic mushrooms with addiction a lot but then that all that that research just got erased and now it's kind of it's starting to sprout up a lot more and being um it's it's actually starting to to be legal (laughs) well it is legal uh, but it's in a gray area, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially in Canada, with the legalization of weed, um, we're more and more, uh, we're getting closer, I should say, just to legalizing this because there's <laughs> all of that, all of the bad connotations are just in our head because mm-hmm. they were put there. <laughs> um, and and now tell me about microdosing, because uh, you know more about this than I do, microdosing of uh, psilocybin. Yeah. What, is, what is it for and what is microdosing? Well, I'm not definitely not an expert, but I just started, uh, I'd say about like four weeks ago. And it's really, it's meant to help with depression, anxiety. I don't have uh, either of those. Uh, thankfully, I'm very fortunate, but it also helps with your cognitive ability mm. because uh, like in your, in your memory. So uh, that's something that I, I obviously am interested in. And it's kind of like a, a drug for your brain that's organic. Uh, it's kind of like taking Adderall. Um, but without the highly addictive <laughs> nature of, of that drug. And is it true that it can potentially, or it's being studied for its uh, positive effects on preventing dementia? 
Yeah, like that's that's the one cool thing that they showed was that it was regenerating actual brain matter um, and was wow. helping with these degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, and it's it's not psilocybin uh, per se, it's um, lion's mane, which is a very cool looking mushroom. I suggest mm. everyone that's uh, listening to this, take a, just do a quick Google search. It's so bizarre looking, but it's half of my microdose or even more of the microdose. Uh, and what is it called? Lion's mane? Lion's mane, I believe. Is what it's I, I love these names. Turkey tail, lion's mane. Yeah, lion's mane. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's some cool people that are coming up with the names, definitely. <laughs> so, so, so these cool people are part of a, a growing um, kind of oh, mushroom God, movement man. from what I, from what I gather. And a lot of countries are also, and regions are starting to legalize it. And people like you and me are starting to uh, microdose or, or, or experiment, I would say, um, responsibly about it versus just take it recreationally. Yeah. And like the one cool part that it was very theoretical in that documentary was uh, psilocybin, magic mushrooms play in how our brains evolved. Do you remember um, that part? Yes. Yes. Where they're just talking about like how, I don't want to give it away, but essentially they were just saying that like uh, the size of our brain grew exponentially. Like it grew like in, in terms of evolutionary periods, it grew by an enormous amount. In a short and, period of time, yeah, we don't have a, yeah. an adequate explanation for that, right? Yeah, so they're thinking, oh, maybe these guys ate some shrooms, their brain really got big, and here we are. <laughs> it's a little it's bit a, more scientific than that. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a plausible theory if you think about it, because it's, you know, it's one of the rare substances that's been shown to actually have that kind of effect mm -hmm. on you know, your, your brain biology, your neurobiology. Therefore, it kind of makes sense that if we discovered it and start started to ingest it and experiment with it our ancestors maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago that you know is it a coincidence that it coincided yeah. perhaps with this sort of huge evol you know, evolutionary jump in terms of our brains very interesting so maybe we've yeah. been evolving together <laughs> yeah it's like us and dogs have been evolving together there you go i think just to put a uh, little bow on this as we go into the what if it's just it really is a new frontier and we're scratching the surface on it like for instance i think what actually spurred this for me to watch this because someone recommended it to me and then you sent me an article about how they're using mycelium in wearable technology mm -hmm. um so i think we're really starting to see it kind of be involved in a lot of development um even in the digital world Yes. Um, yes. And I'll tell you what, what tells us that it truly is entering the zeitgeist and becoming a potential paradigm shift is the latest iteration of Star Wars, uh, Star, Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery, the CBS show, with, which apparently has a massive budget. The, you know how all the Star Trek you know, shows over the years are based on two things, the philosophy of a federation, an inclusive federation, and mm -hmm. a, a very, uh, I should call it, inclusive and democratic world with a technology that allowed us to meet other species called warp drive a fictional technology well guess what star trek discovery has replaced warp drives with what's called a spore drive based on a galactic mycelial network a mushroom network across planets and planetary systems oh, wow. that communicate instantaneously to each other 
like it's it's a wonderful creative leap from what we recently discovered about mushrooms and how they mm. essentially form the internet of the global ecosystem and they said what if we applied that across planets and yeah. so they have a spore drive where they can instantaneously travel from one place to another with a human plugged in to a mycelial network it's just crazy interesting and fun and it's a massive game changer for the storyline of star trek because star trek's you know uh, has a track record there they have a philosophy of always reading up on the latest science and then incorporating that into their storylines and they did yeah. they've done it again and this time they they've taken the mushroom movement and inserted it as a central feature in the new series coming out when things like that happen i pay attention because then you're like, okay, this is no longer fringe. This is starting to become a thing. Yeah. Right? Super cool. So that's a great segue to our what if. Yeah. No, the, the, the one if. thing I was about to say was okay. this truly is our, our podcast because we've mentioned Avatar and Star Trek. Because <laughs> we have to. We have to <laughs> always. Yes. Somehow just try to fit it in somewhere. But uh, yeah, no, our, <laughs> our, our what if is um if what if magical mushrooms were legalized how would we solve the perception issue that they currently have and just to elaborate on that perception issue i think i'm, I'm sure you guys are all aware but it's like yeah like when you think of mushrooms one we mentioned that they, they taste bad uh the other is like magical mushrooms like people have that kind of that for that misconception that they're going to go crazy or they're going to have a really bad trip. There's also bad slang. Just the name, the the lexicon that we use is like mm. shrooms, magical mushrooms, zooms, zoomers, whatever you well, want to go. You know, I was thinking about this and, and I thought it's interesting. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, of my generation and and yours, have started to call, for example, MDMA. They they call it Molly. Which I always yeah. found a really interesting word, Molly. Molly, it's 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 a girl's name, you know. It's a woman's. Well, name. they have all those names for like, for all those different ones. They always it's kind of like yeah. Cars. But in my day, we didn't call it Molly. We called it MDMA, right? We yeah. called it by its scientific acronym, and it entered pop culture. You know, people even wrote songs, and there were you know all sorts of uh, references to MDMA, etc. It was. Yeah, disco it was more biscuits. recent disco biscuits, but more recently it was given what I would call a really homey, approachable name called Molly. <laughs> yeah. Right? Which basically just bypasses any previous associations or semiotics you might have. I really think that mushrooms, magic mushrooms, shrooms, any of that lexicon, we need to just sort of like swipe it away and come up with the equivalent of molly we need to give it a name that per kind of personifies it and makes it approachable and kind of makes it ordinary do you know what i mean what do you think makes it approachable like for me it's if you look at the weed industry and how it's been legalized and the one thing that the good marketers have done with weed is that they've taken all that seedy dirty connotation that that most drugs have with it right like mm -hmm. making it very kind of scientific clinical uh, and professional. Um, so veering away. So I think one is definitely from a visual standpoint, um, veering away from those tropes that we see with psychedelics 
like rainbows and those mm-hmm. crazy like psychedelic patterns and all that that and making it a little bit um, um uh, just more professional more more sleek more approachable for an older audience i think because maybe that's where our our potential target really is is with boomers yeah and well that's very interesting and and really uh, if you think about it with with weed which is right there a pejorative term and pot which is also a pejorative term to yeah. the more tr- you know traditional or marijuana, among us. marijuana, Mary cannabis, pothead. <laughs> but the word cannabis actually of those are, is the cleanest, right? Yeah. So a lot of these companies with their branding and how they designate their category moved away from all that and just went straight cannabis. You know, they they sort of they landed on something um, scientific but not overly complicated, right? And it's not too hard to say and and spell. Um, and I think that's one option. So either you personify it like Molly and give it a very brand new approachable person's name. Yeah. Or you or- look at some of the scientific designations. Now, the ones that I've seen around mushrooms aren't helpful. Like, like psilocybin? What? Yeah, what? I can't even no. pronounce it. Like a, you know, half what the, the hell? public wouldn't be able to spell it or pronounce it. Um, PSK might be okay as uh, the, what is yeah. PSK stand Sounds for? like a gun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I think it needs to go through this whole sort of, you know, research naming testing kind of process in order to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe another creative clue, because this is, becomes a truly creative slash sociological exercise. The, the other truth that I realized watching this documentary, and by the way, you all, you know, every listener should read, should watch Fantastic Fungi. And the director, by the way, is Louis Schwartzberg, and you can find it on YouTube. Uh, you can rent it, I guess, on, on YouTube or pirate it, although we don't encourage yeah. that. But one of the things that I never knew until I read this was that fungi, let's call it, is the entire kingdom, right, of those millions of species. The thing that we call mushrooms are simply the flowers, meaning the reproductive organ of fungi. Yeah. In other words, flowers are to plants, flowering plants, as mushrooms are to fungi. And when that snapped into place, I was like, oh, oh, interesting. Okay, now I get it. Now that opens up whole creative territory. In other words, could you name it like you would be naming a flower? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, for sure. Approach it like that. You know, where you're, you're naming it something that makes it feel tender or sensual or, or calming or lovely, pretty, right? In other words, it, you want to lean into the truth that it is essentially the flower or the reproductive organ of fungi. And how would you name a flower? Right? You, you, you're not going to name a flower psilocybin. Right? If you no. want people to pick it up and buy it at a florist shop for their loved ones, you're going to call it something beautiful. You're going to call it petunia, a dahlia, mm-hmm. a daffodil, you know, a crocus, a tulip, a rose. Like, look at, listen to the sound of these words, right? And I think yeah. that's what we need. We need to apply that kind of thinking to, to mushrooms. And I think like the people, when we're talking about the behavior shift too, it's, and I was mentioning just the boomers. I think like why I was thinking of them was there's definitely people. So the boomers are definitely people right in their former years, probably a good handful of them did it recreationally, magic mm-hmm. mushrooms, mm-hmm. just with psychedelics, the 60s, 70s, whatever. 
Um, but they've, they're now retired. They had a job, right? they had kids. And I think the, obviously that perception of doing magical mushrooms would be very considered immature or even dangerous or irresponsible. Um, and then there's also people that like didn't quite live out their twenties, but still would have liked to, or still would like to kind of experience something that they missed or when they were in their, uh, their twenties or thirties. So I'm wondering how do we kind of quell those concerns? I think it's all in the name. I think you, you think you, it's all in the name. Yes. Yeah. I think um, it, it, it's, it's, it's all in the name and, and then everything that you put around it, but it's all in the name here. The name is the biggest barrier and it's going to be your biggest tool as well yep. if you solve it like for example i'm just joking here but it, you you could call it betty or donna right so if you want to do mdma you're going to call up your friends and say hey you know you, you want to come over and let, let, let's take some molly right whereas if you want to do do mushrooms you say you know um, donna's coming over tonight you know but, you, but i think those are those are betty I don't know. I, f I find that those names are, were only created by drug dealers so that they didn't have to say the actual name. So like Molly was created really just to, as like a guise over MDMA so that when they're texting or when they're calling, they don't, yeah, I'll have five pounds of Molly, but like that doesn't really mean anything. I think, I mean, and that's to me is I'm a little bit skeptical of that area in terms of calling it something like that because it, it, goes back into that kind of secretive CD drug area maybe. Well, for you it would be, but for a boomer it wouldn't be at all. Right? Yeah. If I'm I'm going with your your audience focus, meaning if you can get boomers to accept it, everybody else will come along. Or everybody else is not really as much of an issue if you think about mm -hmm. it, right? So you may have that backdrop and understanding that it's kind of a drug dealer nomenclature, but uh, a woman wouldn't. Like I actually talked about Molly the other day with somebody who is, you know, older than me. And I, then I explained that's what MDMA is now called. And they were like, oh, really? How cute. And they didn't go like, well, <laughs> you know, what a drug dealer would No, for sure. Okay, fair. You know, it, was, it, it, was, yeah. it was affectionate. Their, their response, right? <laughs> Bemused. Yeah. Bemused is actually the word. I think it's also like, so yes, name for sure is probably our first barrier. But then the second barrier is definitely just information, right? Is, yes. Is, is getting information like there is so many facts that were provided in that documentary. And I'm sure there's just a plethora of more uh, that we could leverage in some form of communication, whether it be a website or actually through um, some form of mass marketing. Um, yes. And then maybe, and it's, is it coming from credible sources? Do we leverage doctors and therapists or do we even leverage like celebrities of some sort? Like someone that's like maybe in the, like kind of in the middle, like of a conservative and liberal, but all, like, of, all of the above, you know, yeah. I, I, I would have, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow doing a video on it you know yeah about her, that's you know, her vagina products from goop and how one of them contains you know this fabulous compound and they gave it a cool new name in other words just mix it up you know yeah yeah, yeah. i like exactly. that i could see goop launching you know a a psilocybin you know or psk based line of products <laughs> because no, of for sure. therapeutic benefits and because they just like to be you know, they have a shit disturber side to them, right? So 
uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter mocked her recently for using vagina everything from the Goop collection when she gets up in the morning for her morning routine. It was hilarious. <laughs> and actually was ultimately a backhanded compliment and gave the brand even more impressions. Her daughter's like 16 and she's kind of cool. <laughs> so That's cool. I, I, think, I think you want that. You want people like Gwyneth, her daughter and Gwyneth, you know, getting involved in these conversations and normalizing it, you know, and bringing it into the kitchen. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I think the room of the house that we need to focus on is the kitchen. And yeah, rather than it's the, already there the in the kitchen. cabinet. Exactly. Stay away from the medicine cabinet, as, you know, and don't go too naturopathy and weird and woo wooey. Yeah, Bring don't it do that. With cool progressive people, bring it onto the kitchen counter where it already is. Right. You already use, you know, mushrooms. Like I use tons of mushrooms in French food because the French love cocovin, mushroom, you know, mushrooms and beef bourguignon, etc. So you just want to lean into where it already is. Mm -hmm. So for all that are interested, just again, the name is Fantastic Fungi of the documentary. Uh, you can get it on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, like in the next couple of months, it'll be available on Netflix or on, or on Prime. But um, thanks, for, thanks for all for, for joining and listening. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody.